Hello, Eccles. See you. Pastor Ian Graham here. Um, we are in a teaching series on relationships, and I hope you were either able to join us on Sunday or were able to catch the podcast um, from Courtney, my wife, and I, uh, just talking about marriage. And again, our, our hope was not to give a sort of wide-angle biblical theology of marriage. Our hope was to bear witness to the the beauty and the struggle of marriage, of, of how it reflects God's covenant love. We read that passage from Exodus 34, his hesed. And also to bear witness to some of the caveats and the nuances of what marriage is and what marriage isn't and how it uh, both is this unchanging union, but also how it is ever evolving and ever requiring of us to be adaptive and to find uh, new ways to respond to both the voice of God in our midst and the person that's in front of us. What I wanted to do very briefly, because I think this is so important, is to offer a few other vantage points um, that we weren't able to cover on Sunday, I, I gave a kind of a longer list of disclaimers, just trying to gather everybody in the room to where they would feel like married or otherwise that they were being addressed. But I also think it's really important when we talk about something as sensitive, as intimate as marriage, um, to really pay attention to the different perspectives that people are coming from. And so I wanted to sort of add an addendum uh, with two um, additional perspectives. And these are two unrelated in many ways, varying perspectives, but I think they're important to name. Uh, the first subject matter that I wanted to address is the subject of abuse. Um, I, I think sometimes, especially in Christian circles, when we talk about the miracle that is God's grace and his forgiveness and his mercy we can at one and the same time, especially, uh, especially in certain traditions of Christian teaching, think that we are then implicated in forgiving every wrong that is visited upon us. And that forgiveness has a specific shape. That there is no change in the relationship. That there's no consequence in the relationship. And, and what I wanted to do today was just simply to name the reality that forgiveness in the way of Jesus does not mean simply rubber stamping all the different varieties of abuse that are visited upon us, especially, uh, especially in regards to the women in our congregation. I think this is an important thing to say, is that the grace of Jesus is not a blank check for people to do whatever they want to you. And this is an important reality. Even in Exodus 34, when we read about God's covenant love, there's this, there's this non-negotiable piece in that passage where it says the Lord visiting the sins upon, not, not quick to forgive, not forgetting the sinfulness of his people, but dealing with them in their proper accord. And I think that even though we did not have the space to get into this on Sunday, this is such an important addendum and uh, an important perspective to acknowledge and to engage. Uh, one of the most prolific voices on these fronts for me uh, has been a woman I've had the opportunity to interact with on a couple of different occasions. Once uh, actually on a podcast for Ecclesia during the pandemic, 
Uh, her name is Diane Langberg. Um, she's a psychotherapist and counselor. And she has a way because of her fierce devotion to Jesus and her fierce opposition to evil in all of its forms has this way of putting things in in such a stark way. And so um, she writes in her book, Redeeming Power, Understanding Authority and Abuse in the Church, uh, about divorce. And she's, she's using divorce as a proxy in this discussion as a way of, you know, even in Malachi, it says the Lord hates divorce. And Jesus in various teachings in Mark and in Matthew seems to be immovable on the subject of divorce, that divorce always seems wrong. But what Dr. Langberg is doing is is widening the categories for what divorce looks like, for what uh, sexual infidelity looks like, for what infidelity looks like in the context of relationship. And I think this is so important because for us, again, we tend to, to veer towards regulations and rules and to miss the principles and the narrative sweep of what's being said to us. And so I want to read an extended section from Dr. Langberg uh, as a way of just bearing witness to the fact that that abuse in a marriage context, in any context, but specifically as we're talking about for this discussion, a marriage context is wrong. It is not the way of Jesus, and it is not somehow supplemented by the grace and the mercy of God. So Dr. Langberg writes, We've lost sight of the fact that our God hates divorces of all shapes and sizes, not just the termination of a legal relationship. Is it disunion to hide yourself every evening looking at pornography behind a closed door, ignoring spouse and family? Is it a violation to batter a spouse, whether with objects, fists, or words? Is it disunion to bar your spouse from any access to money? Is it divorce to pour out rage and humiliation on your family and deceitfully present a different face at church? Have you not, in the words of Malachi, broken faith with your spouse and acted both treacherously and deceitfully? God says, I hate when a man covers his wife with violence, cruelty, and injustice. I hate the sending away, quoting Malachi 2.16. Don't all of the above involve a sending away? Where did we get the idea that the only thing we can call divorce is a piece of paper provided by the court? And how do we decide that all these other divorces do not mean anything significant as long as the paper from the court has not been delivered? Are we really sanctioning sin and destruction in a relationship intended to be a refuge for the sake of a legal document? If so, we are protecting the deformity of an entity that is meant to reflect Christ and his body. We have misled many suffering people with our very narrow, limited interpretation of what God hates. We respond as if God hates the dissolution of a marriage, but can tolerate abuse, harshness, manipulation, and threats in a relationship that is meant to look like his relationship to his bride. In doing so, we have contributed to the damage of precious people created in the image of God and confused them about who God is and what he says. We've also failed those who abuse by minimizing, excusing, and glossing over things God hates. We have valued the external appearance of marriage over the holiness of God lived out in hidden places. This is a heavy word, but a word that brings into the light that which would so easily crouch in the darkness. And I love how Dr. Langberg so so poignantly names the different kinds of abuse. It's not just one form. 
And so friends, I, I want to both just say these things as a way of, of bringing them into the light and saying to you that God sees you in the midst of this, but also perhaps unsealing something in your own life, that, that, that thing that cries out to you that says that this is not the way that things are supposed to be, and then what am I supposed to do as a follower of Jesus? And I also pray that just that you would know that the church in our growing leadership structure is available to you. You don't have to suffer these things alone. The other word that I wanted to offer um, before I will pray over both is uh, for those of you who, and we have so many in our church who you're married, but you're the only participant uh, in the life of the church in your family. Uh, For whatever reason, your spouse doesn't have any interest in uh, following Jesus. And there are different instructions given to people in your situation throughout the New Testament. And the one I just want to focus on is Paul in 1 Corinthians just talks about perhaps, perhaps your husband or your wife will be saved through your faithfulness by the way that they see Jesus operating in you. Now, I want to offer another disclaimer. First of all, marriage is hard. Marriage between Christians is hard. Marriage between a Christian and a non-Christian is hard. This does not put on you an expectation that you are always going to be perfect and loving and such a marvelous witness in the context of your most intimate relationship. Um, so, so please absolve yourself of that kind of weight of responsibility, that kind of burden. But what Paul is trying to bring about and uh, you know, elsewhere, Peter talks about this as well. What they're trying to bring about is this sense of hope, the sense of patience, the sense that God truly is working through the daily moments of our lives. And and so I I simply wanted to bear witness alongside you as well and to say that uh, we as a church and specifically our staff team and our prayer team, we see you and we pray alongside you weekly Um, because I've I've had the the opportunity to speak to so many of you and talked, you know, about your, both your hope for your spouse and also just the, the sense of longing that you have to share this part of your life with them. This, this part, which is really the, the whole that defines all the other parts. And so I, I simply wanted to offer a word to you that we are praying alongside of you, alongside the God who can do all things, alongside the God who brings people to himself, who draws people to the source of their life. And to just say that we see you. I want to conclude this brief, brief addendum with uh, just a word of prayer um, as you go about your day. Jesus, God, first of all, I I pray that you would be near to those, Lord, who may be hearing my voice and may may have heard me talking about some of the details of abuse, God, and are just feeling fraught with with pain and anxiety and trauma responses and, and PTSD. God, that you would be near to them right now, wherever they are. God, that you would just come in like a flood and be present, Lord. Lord, that you would give them, uh, if they need courage, God, just to speak a word to a friend or to to the church community, God, that you would give them courage to speak. God, I pray that you would also just reveal to them, Lord, that you are there, that you have never left, not for a moment, God, and that what is 
been done to them in whatever facet it has been carried out is not your way and is not sanctioned by your grace, God. So God, be near to them, Lord. Help us to be a people who bring that which is in the darkness into the light. God, I pray for those who long to share the life of faith with their spouse, Lord. For those for whom that seems like such a distant dream. God, would you just help us both as a church in support of these people and also the people that that are involved in these kinds of relationships. God, would you help us to be faithful in prayer? God, that we can look to a day perhaps when that person will come to a saving faith in you. And that that will be not only the joy of homecoming that you describe, that all the angels in heaven rejoice, but God, the joy of knowing that this is the answer to one of our deepest and longest prayers. So Jesus, we, we do, we pray, God, just for a special dispensation of your life within these marriages, God. Lord, that you would be doing miraculous works that we can't account for, we can't take credit for. God, it's only by the power of your spirit. God, we ask that you would be near in these spaces. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for this day that you've given to us to live for you. God, may we give it back to you in praise and in hope, God, and in the love that you've given to us. We pray all these things in your name, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ecclesia will be continuing our series on relationships this coming Sunday. I'm so grateful to you, and I pray that this word finds you uh, in a place where you're uh, hearing from God, and I pray that it meets you in a profound way. Grace and peace to you, friends.